0: I was like, Jen, I'm ready when you are. Oh. But I thought what, that meant like you were ready. Yeah, that was a lie though. I was lying. You want me to cut no, no. Nah, fuck it. Okay. You okay. <laughs> make podcast music. We're fucking it up. Left and right. Guess what today is though? <laughs> oh, you can't tell, but it is our one year anniversary. Yay! And because we started with the Piddly podcast, I think this is actually episode 53.
1: I yeah. thought, Did we count that one? Did we? I, I we might did.
0: have. No, probably not. Or not. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck.
1: But it is a fryer. I'm just going to eat my Rice Krispie
0: Treat.
1: Yeah? Oh, my God. Big celebration. Gonna... I can't. I got you one I right
0: there. I got a Werther's in my mouth. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Okay, so today I want to tell you about this um, case that um, last Friday, as I'm doing my podcast shit, working hard course i got my forensics files going on in the back and all of a sudden i hear blah 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 michigan i was like skirt what is that because it was a really interesting
1: case so i got mine from forensic files what about you i have a night i'm all about cold cases lately okay so 1992 cold case of 16 year old david cole and 17 year old timothy fowler burned to death in lenaway county michigan
0: Wow, burned to death like in a house burnt?
1: Yeah, the house burnt down.
0: Wow. Do you want to go first? It's whatever you would like. Mine's super long, so I don't know if you want to eat
1: your crispy treat. I'll go first. I think we should should go first because I like forensic files. I'm a big forensic file. And then I want to know as you talk, then I'll know if I've seen it. Oh, you probably,
0: yeah. So if you're watching, it's Netflix Forensic File Collection 4, Episode 8. Wow, you're detailed. Yeah, I ain't playing. That's what it was. I can't, and then of course I didn't write down what it's called, but it's the murder of Jeanette Kirby is what it's going over. So Muriel Kirby um, met her daughter Jeanette, oh, so met her, okay, so Jeanette's mom meets her daughter almost every single day. Okay. So on June 11th, 1986, Jeanette doesn't call her mom and doesn't cancel. And she doesn't show up for her work as a Medicare analyst, she wasn't in her home, Jeanette was 35 years old and divorced, and she had no children, and she had disappeared. So, the day before, on June 10th, um, they believed Jeanette had gone to Riverbend Park. And Riverbend Park is in Ingham County, Michigan, and it's a large rural park. And when I say it's a large rural park, it contains about 500 acres of land, mostly I didn't know wooded.
1: That, I didn't know that park was that big.
0: Yeah, mostly wooded. So, the day after Jeanette disappeared, The police find her car in the parking lot at the park. It had a parking ticket on the windshield that indicated that her car had been at the park since the day before. So they know that she's been missing, since she's been missing, her car has been at the park. Jeanette was known to walk long distances through the park in her free time. Now, one of my favorite things on this forensic files is they said she likes to walk. And twice the guy said walk as he's like giving the over thing, like Mm -hmm. emphasis on the walk. But every now and then some of the people were like, you know, she used to, when the cops were like, you know, she used to fast walk through the park. And then the cop said something about her jogging. And every time they did the, like the reenactment, she was jogging. But her mom said she did not jog. She <laughs> was a walker. But they just wanted to make her a jogger so bad. Wow. Yeah, and I don't know why. But the, yeah, the announcer guy at one point like emphasizes walk. And it's like, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next day, Jeanette's body is found just about a half a mile from where her car was parked. In a ravine and the night before the night that Jeanette had been missing there were severe thunderstorms and the thunderstorm had destroyed or washed away any evidence around her body so there aren't any footprints in the dirt there aren't any fingerprints on her body you know there's no like hairs on her body and investigators were able to tell that she had struggled with someone while she was on the walking trail and that she had been dragged or pulled down into the ravine and when I was talking to my husband, he was like, how would they know that she'd been on the walking trail and I was like, probably because broken sticks, mm-hmm. maybe even like grooves in the dirt from, you know, your feet pulling, probably ripped up leaves and stuff. So, her clothes, okay, and the one of the things, you know, they said the rain had washed everything away. I was wondering if it was one of those times where a small police department maybe didn't do everything they could. Yeah. Because they weren't aware, because this is not their thing. I'm getting, the fav- I'm getting the feeling, like, murder's not real big in this area. No, and I think that area's small. Mm-hmm so her clothes so there's only like basically two clues her clothes have been methodically cut from her body i mean you should see like when they put it together you can see this dude is a straight cutter let me just say
1: so he's got like ocd
0: um no but i'll tell you what they think that the cutting itself was sexual for him Mm. like the act of cutting the clothes was sexual to him yeah people have all sorts of things to turn their cranks let me tell you and i guess so i never heard that okay did I ever tell you my, this was a combo that I was going to get to my, with my husband, and then I, I talked to Austin from work a little bit, and then Melina and I really got into it. Melina's now with me. Do you know what LARPing is? mm Okay, so li- LARPing is live action role play. That's what you'll see guys with like swords and almost like live action
1: Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Do you know what a furry is? I have heard of them, and they dress up. Yes. They're like animals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Often for sex. Mm-hmm. I and, thought it was only for sex, but okay. okay.
0: No, my understanding is is uh, sex is like a major thing, but they are animals. That's okay. a, their thing. And I said, our furries larping. Are they live-action role-playing? Are they LARPing? And Austin's like, no! (laughs) But Melina's like, wait a minute. I was like, the definition is open. Live-action. These furry people are live-action role-playing. They're not really a squirrel. They're pretending to be a squirrel. That is true. That is role-playing. And then Austin started to get all flustered, and he was like, okay, then, are dominatrix LARPing? And I was like, I'm going to think on that. So I got back, (laughs) and I was like, yes and no. If being a dominatrix is your profession you're not playing that's your job that's what you're doing however if you and your man go to bed tonight you're like i'm gonna dominate the shit out of you while i wear this outfit you are larping you are live action and you are role playing yeah but even if it's your job you're still what if that's not your role that's just you like well i shouldn't say your job what if it's like part of your personality Yeah, that could be just you you're not playing that's no role that's just you right yeah but if you and your man, you don't dominate them all the time, maybe you do on Fridays every other Friday or something, then that's cool.
1: Yeah. You're LARPing. You're LARPing. And Austin's like, no, I'm
0: just like, look, they left the definition open enough, you know, and I was like, yeah, so people like me can walk through the door. I was like shit sure like that. Okay, sorry, back to this poor woman who's killed. <laughs> sorry. That's what it's like inside my ADHD brain. Okay. So all they know is that the clothes have been methodically cut off, and that her hands were bound behind her back with a white zip tie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So this zip tie was the, a particular brand, so it was a certain brand, of uh, zip ties that police officers use when metal handcuffs aren't available. We've seen, you've seen them, right? hmm So they're called flex cuffs. That's the particular brand, it's called flex cuffs. And the square head on the flex cuff um, can only be pulled, you know, forward because, you know, that can only be pulled as, as the tab locks it in place, keeping it from sliding backwards. Well, the flex cuff have a stronger tab that is metal rather and, rather than plastic. So I never
1: knew that.
0: Yep. So the flex cuffs have a metal tab that's important later. So this is, this put police officers on the list of potential offenders because these are police brand police cuffs. These are just for police. But no witnesses recalled seeing police officers in the area. Police officers mm-hmm. who were known to be in, like, the general area were questioning But there's not, no leads, right? So although Jeanette's clothes had been cut off her, the, me- the medical examiner wasn't able to find any signs of sexual assaults, according to forensic files. Because another article that I read said that there were some media accounts that said she was assaulted. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. They said Some said that she was assaulted and got washed away in the rain. And some said, and forensic file said, not assaulted. So I don't know what to think. Okay. So I wasn't sure which was correct. So Jeanette had three knife wounds in her chest, and there wasn't any other evidence at the scenes besides the cuffs and the cut clothes. That's all there is. Jeanette's ex-husband had an alibi, and he lives in Florida, and they ruled him out. It wasn't really contentious divorce. She dated casually, but there wasn't any, you know, evidence um, pointing to any of the men in her life. So, a clue to the crime was the way that her clothes had been cut from her body. They were, like, slashed repeatedly in a manner that suggested cutting them clothes was sexual to the attacker. It was done, like, really methodically. He would make, like, one line here and then, like, cut off from the things. I mean, well. I'm
1: going to have to investigate
0: this. You should. I, I, I um, it is on Netflix, Files Collection, <laughs> Collection 4, Episode, um, eight. Okay, so uh, the case goes cold, right? Oh, okay, so the way he cut her clothes, they said it took a considerable amount of time. This wasn't just like stab, cut, stab, cut. He's purposely making these cuts. And you can look, it's really purposeful.
1: Okay.
0: So the case goes cold. That was 86, right? Four years later, 1990, a criminal attack in Leland, Michigan, about 200 miles away, sheds light on the case. A woman in Leland was driving down a deserted road, and it's like a road that people often don't go down, you know, those old country roads. A truck with police lights attached to the top pulls her over, and a man exits the truck, and he's like 6'5", 6'6", he's a big dude. He exits the truck wearing a police hat, but no police uniform. Mm. So she's like sketched out, like, he has police lights, but no police car. A police hat, no police uniform. And the man tells her to get into her, you know, his truck, get out of the car. And at first she's complying. She gets out her license, but he's like, get into my truck. And she's like, the fuck? Now she starts to fight him. And he's a big dude. And at one point, to show her that he's not fucking playing games, he pulls the gun out of his holster and shoots it up into the air. Well, just as he's doing that, another car, like, comes around the corner. And it just fucks him up because he wasn't expecting anybody to come around. He expected he had plenty of time with this woman to do what he wanted. Mm Mm-hmm. So he jumps in the car and flees. So investigators begin questioning people. That's one of the things about living in a small town. Like, hey, you ever see any new person around here? Yeah, right. <laughs> so they're looking for a man driving a truck with police lights attached to the top. And a gas station attendant remembers the vehicle. He's like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. And he remembered that the man did pay with a credit card. So the, na- the man's name was David Draheim. David Dreheim was 33 years old at the time. He was a volunteer fireman, but he had no police coll- coll- collections with the words. <laughs> his connections. I mean, he might be collecting police officers somewhere. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was vacationing at his
0: parents' cabin in Glenhaven, Michigan, about 30 minutes away from Leland. So he's there on a vacation when he tries to get this woman. Mm-hmm. When not at the cabin, David leaned ingham county ding 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 and just like jeanette as a matter of fact he works one mile from where she was murdered so he's looking so good for this Mm -hmm. the woman from the attempted abduction picks out dave from a lineup he has an ingham county sheriff's hat in his car and inside his truck was a knife and some white zip ties but they are not the flex cuff brand So they're like, we think it's this dude, but we don't have enough. You can't take this to court. We don't have enough. There's nothing that associates him and Jeanette, but this dude is looking so good for it, right? Mm -hmm. So policing investigators don't feel they have enough to convict him. They were able to convict him for the attempted kidnapping charge with the woman from Leland, and he does receive 40 years in prison from Jeanette's case. And then he does receive 40 years in prison, and then Jeanette's case goes cold. 12 years later, in 1998, so 12 years from the time she was murdered. Okay. Jeanette Kirby's mom, Muriel, contacts Jennifer Granholm, Michigan's attorney general at the time. She later becomes the governor of Michigan. Yeah, and she's wonderful. Yes, and my stepmom loves the shit out of her. And my stepmom always used to keep a picture in her office at of work of her and Jennifer Granholm because my stepmom's big into politics and she su- supports her party.
1: Jennifer actually helped me with my case, one of my cases. Really? That's really cool. Okay.
0: Well, she helps this woman too. Okay. So she contacts Jennifer Granholm. Currently, at this point, she's the Attorney General. Later, she becomes the Governor of Michigan. Jennifer sends two investigators to look over the files that were collected on Jeanette's murder. Because there's just a couple of files. The investigators decide, these two investigators decide to contact someone who had not been interviewed yet. And it is David Draheim's best friend, Mark Greco. So Mark told investigators that a few years before Jetnet's murder, he and David were roommates. They were both security guards? Okay, and okay, so this is where I'm confused. They're both security guards. And at one point, they own a cop car. They bought an old cop car. So apparently back in 84, they let you have the cop, like the emblem is still on the side. There's a picture of him next to the car. Yeah. And there is still a police emblem on the car. Lights. Mm. I know. Okay. So at one point, yes, Mark Greco's talking about, he was in the trunk trying to rewire the car. He's trying to refurbish this old police car, right? I wrote 1984 was a different time. (laughs) (laughs) And he's trying to rewire the car. And he's actually physically in the trunk. And that's when he finds, this is in 1984, a bag of flex cuffs that had fallen between the inner and outer wall of the fender. And Mark said that he kept one flex cuff for himself. And he said he put one on the car to use like for the repair. And he gives the rest of the bag to David Dreheim of flex cuffs. So now, now we're associating David Dreheim to the flex cuff brand of cuffs that Jeanette had on her, right? So Mark put his flex cuff, his singular flex cuff left, in the brim of his security hat, which is a common practice for law enforcement. You just put it in the brim there and so you don't have to physically hold it and when you need it, it's under your hat, right? So 14 years later, Mark was able to find his old security hat in his basement with the police brand zip tie still in it. Yes. Wow. So investigators are now trying to match the zip tie from the hat. And the zip ties that were on the dead woman, right? Because they think it's from the same bag. That's what Mark is saying. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to find a way to match the, the two. So proving that they were made from the same batch would be pairing the flex cuffs on her wrist to the ones given to David by Mark. So investigators from Michigan traveled to the factory in Mexico that makes the tie brands flex cuffs. And only one factory does this. This is the one factory that makes these all the flex cuffs. So only one in the world to do so at the time. And they couldn't match the chemical po- compound of the plastic to evidence because it's too general.
1: <laughs>
0: but then they decide they're able to match the little stainless tab, stainless steel tab inside of the zip tie head.
1: Hmm.
0: So investigators noticed that this giant saw has these, and so there's a big saw, there's all these like um, layers of metal and the saw comes and cuts it into these tiny little pieces, right? So each saw blade and there was a couple different saws made a distinctive cut or mark on the metal. Those the striation cuts. Yeah. So the scientists working for the Michigan State Police decided to gently um, melt the wax around both sides of the sets of the ties, and exposing and extracting the tiny metal tab out of the middle. And then they put the two pieces together under a microscope, matching up the striation lines from the cuts so that they matched exactly that pair, the two cuffs, matched so well that they thought that they could have in, even been cut from each other. You know what I mean? Oh wow. Like when it came down, these were the two cuffs that made the two pieces that made. So, that um they were, and they were made in 19 like 79. Yeah. Hmm. So, June of 20, 2002 because they started investigating she has Jennifer for to investigate in 98. By 2002 they have enough 16 years after she's murdered, David's trial began for the death of Jeanette Kirby. It was summarized that David had left his job and drove to the park. There he ran into Jeanette attacking her, securing her hands, and then torturing and stabbing her. At the trial, David's wife testified that he also tied her up with uh, cuffs previously. So his wife talks about how he liked to tie her up with cuffs, all of a sudden, you know, grab her, restrain her, cuff her. And she, the wife said that David also used to jog regularly in the park, the Riverbend Park. Wow, so she's, like, not even on his side. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. And that he used to keep zip ties with him at all points when he was jogging, just in case the opportunity arose in which he could take control of a woman. Hmm. So David's found guilty, right? According to Otis, David Draheim is still alive in the Saginaw Correctional Facility. On July 7th, 2002, he was sentenced to a minimum of 60 years with a maximum of 90 years for open murder homicide. This is on the top of as uh, is on top of the 40 to 80 years David received for two charges of first degree criminal sexual conduct with a weapon used in 1990. He was also, he had also been convicted of repeatedly wa- raping a raping a waitress after acting like he was going to help her change a flat tire. So she has a flat tire on the side of the road. He's like, hey, do you need help? And she's like, yeah. And he just beats and rapes her instead. So prison terms that David had already completed were were the three charges from Leland in 1980. Because in Otis, they say these are the inactive charges. You've already completed them. And these are the active charges. Mm -hmm. And the Leland kidnapping are inactive. So he's already done his time for those. So for, do, 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 for the, that's for a tip that he was, so that Leland one was attempted kidnapping, kidnapping, assault with a dangerous weapon, and a felony firearms charge. Because remember, he shot up in the air. The earliest David could be released is in January of 2050, and the latest is June of 74. He's currently 62 years old. I wrote, his birthday is <laughs> November 11th, 1956. I'm trying to let you know he'll probably die in prison yeah right he'll be 94 at at his youngest and so
1: you looked him up on otis
0: Uh uh-huh
1: what does he look like
0: just an old man he's on J date do you know what that is Mm -mm. it's how you um it's like what's that name on internet site that you date on i'm I'm so old i can't remember right now like tinder plenty of fish 10 tinder cupid is tinder cupid and plenty of fish for jail people Oh, okay. And he's like, um, you know, there's questions about whether or not I'm guilty, you know, blah, 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 on his J-Date. I'm a misunderstood guy. <laughs> oh, my God. He
1: looks like a hippie biker from the 70s. I want to... I need an account. You want a J-Date? Dude, you need... I don't need a J-Date. I just need to get on there so I can see these profiles. Okay. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. Oh, you didn't know? No. You need to watch more
0: real prison
1: shows. Oh my you didn't my god. know about things
0: going into vaginas. Do you know a woman hit a handgun in her vagina? How did she get a, a handgun six- in her damn vagina? It must have been like this. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh-uh. Yeah, dude. Okay, tell me your story though. And then I have a really funny review. Uh, apparently, the people in the UP are so kind that even when they get mad to angry review you, they don't angry review you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, mine's the 1992 cold case of 16-year-old David Cole and 17-year-old Timothy Fowler burned to death in Lenaway County, Michigan. Wow. So, on May 10, 1982, the police and fire department were called to the home that was engulfed in flames on, I have no idea how to pronounce this, Q-P-I-E-H. Okay. Highway in Lenaway County. The home that burnt down was David Cole's house. He was at the time of the fire home with his friend Timothy Fowler without supervision as David's mother, Sandra Hill, and stepfather Matt Hall were away in West Virginia visiting ill family members. So there you got Uh, a home, uh two kids, home alone. Wait, how old were they? 16 and 17. I used to do that. I was home alone Mm -hmm. for long periods of time. When my mom went to Florida, I stayed. <laughs> I yeah. stayed here,
0: yeah.
1: After the fire was extinguished, a five-gallon gas can was found, and it was determined to be arson. Investigators were unable to determine if the fire started in front of the bathroom door or the kitchen area. So the bathroom and the kitchen were right next to each other. Okay. So they couldn't figure out where it started. Do they think one of the two
0: boys inside might have purposely set no. the fire? Okay. No. They think the two boys they were think, inside and someone killed them.
1: Yep. Wow. The two teens were found in the bathroom, and since the two were dressed in day clothes, so, you know, the clothes you go out with, yeah. jeans and t-shirt, it is believed by investigators that the two were alive in the bathroom when the home burnt down. It couldn't be determined why the two of them didn't try to leave the home, but instead stayed in the bathroom.
0: Hey, you're assuming they didn't try to. For all you know, that guy's out there, because mm-hmm. there's somebody out there like, try and I'll shoot you.
1: Well, and there was a window there. And it uh-huh. was broken open. Uh huh. So they could have got out the window. Well, what if but somebody, Yeah, there could have been somebody, somebody outside. Out yeah. And then somebody inside. Yeah. Somebody well, locked gonna, them in because they, the lock was the on fire. the outside of the bathroom.
0: If they set the fire in front of the bathroom, though, you could feel like you can't go out the door and there could be somebody outside like, come on out and I'll shoot you. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I guess dang. if I was
1: going to burn to death, I would
0: rather be shot. Honestly, I would take my chances too.
1: Yeah. There was a window where they could have escaped in the mm-hmm. bathroom. It was obvious that the one of the boys tried to save themselves because they filled the bathtub up, laid it and smurged themselves in the bathtub, but unfortunately it was fiberglass, so you know it melted Man. around him. You know, but he tried to save himself. So there were multiple suspects in the fire and murder of the two teens, but not enough evidence to solve the case. In reading about the case there were two theories on the murder. One, the boys were killed over a high school love interest quarrel. Okay. You know, kind of thing. Or two, the boys were killed over drug money that was owed to a drug dealer. Okay. On Web Sleuths, because, you know, that's one of my favorite sites. Yes. The sister of Timothy Fowler stated he didn't do drugs. Okay. She went on to write that she believed Timothy's girlfriend at the time was being unfaithful, and... If she didn't have anything to do with the murders, she knows what... She believes she yeah. knows what She's happened. like, okay, like,
0: even if she didn't kill him, she knows who did. Yeah. Okay.
1: She does know... And this is funny thing. So, okay, so she sits and talks about... The girlfriend knows. Okay. She was unfaithful. The girlfriend knows. But then she says...
0: She, this is the sister, right?
1: Yep, this is the okay. sister. Then notes that she did, in fact, have a family member... That at the time, who may have owed money to a drug dealer, and that drug dealer may have decided to kill the boys instead of killing the one who owed him money.
0: Okay, I just want you to know, okay, I used to smoke a ton of pot, I've been very honest about that. I remember one time I was reading a book, and this girl's like, he owed him, he was addicted to marijuana, and he owed his drug dealer $160,000. Now, as someone, who could, as someone who used to literally smoke pot all day, <laughs> you can't spend hundred <laughs> dollars At some point, you're going to spend that money on food or oh, you're yeah. going to fall asleep. Hmm. And I just thought, and this is one of, like, what do you mean? You Well, you your like uncle a big pothead. You're like, my uncle smokes pot a lot. Yeah. He owes his drug dealer a couple, you know, money. Maybe they kill the kids, like, yeah. not over pot. Well, I think it's,
1: I just think it's interesting that she sits and talks about, you know, the girlfriend, but then turns around and says that statement. So how mm-hmm. do you know it was the girlfriend? Because over here you say it could be, right? you know, it uh, be, it's contradictory. Yeah. And so, you know, it's unsolved. That's, that's a really interesting one. I cannot wait. Yeah.
0: One is so I got this okay. There's a speedway in the UP called the Norway Speedway, and I did. There start. is an
1: actual speedway gas station.
0: No, no, like a like a you know how with like the Mich- Michigan International uh, Speedway,
1: like a race car NASCAR.
0: Yeah, race car. Um, ours is NASCAR. This looked like it was stock car. Okay. And when I say ours, I mean the one that, that's by us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did look up reviews to do different race check to two different racetracks in the Upper Peninsula, I could not find a truly angry review on neither places.
1: Yeah, because they're so sweet up there,
0: dude. And I'm saying there were like literally at one point 180 reviews, nobody cusses anybody out
1: because they don't have like jobs like us where and they're not stressed. They have nature, nature,
0: calming them. Oh, I thought either they know how to show you a racing good time or it takes a lot to motivate them to write a one-star review. Like, you really have to fuck with somebody. So, here's one from Barbie McConnell Bennett. July 2019, five stars. We came from the LP to the UP, and if you don't know what that means, the Lower Peninsula to the Upper Peninsula, for the fourth weekend of July. Attended the event. And then she did emojis, thumbs up, thumbs up, and then the smiley face with the uh, sunglasses. Mm -hmm. This was an awesome evening spent at the racetrack. Prices. Okay. I'm going to read it as it's written. Prices was unbelievably inexpensive. Food was priced fair and good too. Bring. Okay. Oh, sorry. Bring. But I think she meant bring. (laughs) Bring. Own cooler made it even better yet. Highly enjoyed the race and the 50-50 raffle drawings. So we know that people from the lower UP have a hard time with spelling and grammars, Mm -hmm. as evidenced by this woman. (laughs) So here are some... That's the good review, because I'm trying to do a good review with the bad reviews. Here are the slightly angry reviews. Okay. Okay. So despite being upset, Jesse Treese still gave the racetrack five stars in 2016. This is a five-star review. Love the atmosphere, President of the track has his head up the ass. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. End review. <laughs> <laughs> That's getting a youper mixed. Oh, That's getting God. a youper like stirred so up. so Stirred up. Okay. <laughs> so here's, here's the, the angriest. I think it's
1: always worse though when it's like positive. Than, yeah.
0: Well, out of like literally 200 and some reviews, here's the angriest one I could find.
1: Okay.
0: It is one star. Randy Desart, 2017, one star. Here's how you piss off a youper. They should make sure the people who are letting people in know about the deals they're running. Tonight was ladies' night. Five dollars to get in, and my wife was charged ten. How many others were charged ten when it should be five? <laughs> there wasn't one angry sentence. There wasn't five exclamation points. There wasn't even like a negative sentence with one exclamation point it for Randy. Need that. No angry capital letters. No righteous you indignation. First don't need it. No. How many other people would charge five bucks, you bastards? Basically, it's what he's yeah. said. Yeah, that's it. It was so nice. I, I literally, the reviews were so nice, I read them twice. That's so great. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So I was like, listen, don't mess with a, a youper's cash, okay? The mm-hmm. one star you. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. what it took to finally push one over the line. You charge my wife an extra five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right, you've been listening to Michigan Another Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Connect with us at Michigan Another Other Mayhem to join the conversation. Listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, and YouTube. Bye-bye now.